some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. up and welcome back to bar down talking hockey episode number 61 presented by the barroom network my name is Vinny parisi and i'm here representing the windy city and this right here this is frankie mueller and he tried a new flavor of mountain dew last night frank what's going on not much you know it's the hat i'm wearing i haven't worn this hat in a while Mizzou. i used to wear it a lot oh sec i used to wear it a lot yeah you did. i haven't worn it in a while so Busted yeah, it out. Yeah, we tried that Mountain Dew yesterday. It was very good, very mild. A lot of the Mountain Dews we try, they're so um, they have a lot of ink in there, and they're very like saturated with a lot of flavor. Um, the one we tried from Applebee's back in January literally turned your mouth like a dark blue. But this was so mild. Um, there was not a lot of ginger, and it. it was like a blackberry ginger. Um, it, I, I really enjoyed it because it was so mild. You didn't get like hit in the face with the flavor. It was really good. They also have an alcoholic one too, Long Island, that we didn't try, but I would try it. For the folks at home, what's it called and where can you get it? You could get Mountain Dew Legend as of right now at Buffalo Wilds. It is a blackberry ginger version of a Mountain Dew. Sounds delightful. What's your Mount Rushmore of sodas? Um... Sprite. Well, actually, probably Seven Up over Sprite. Root beer, Mountain Dew, and uh, probably just Coke. Wow. Because there's a lot of variations of Coke I could go with. Yeah. But even wow. just a regular plain old Coke, nothing wrong with that. My Mount Rushmore of soda is Coke, Pepsi, Cherry Coke. And Coke again. I might have to throw cream soda in there. Ooh, a lot of people like cream soda. Actually, mine would be Coke, Pepsi, Cherry Coke, Cherry Pepsi. So you don't like Pepsi? No, well, I always say Pepsi stinks because that's in comparison to Coke. But it's actually my second favorite soda behind Coke. Sprite guy, root beer. No, I don't like any of it. That's good. I really don't like any of it. It's kind of, it's kind of all gross to me. I'm not a soda guy other than like the soda I do like, which I drink way too much of. So not top sodas around the world after some research, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Diet Coke, Dr. Pepper, Mountain Dew. Not, not very much of a surprising list. What's your take on Mountain Dew? Or not Mountain Dew, sorry, Dr. Pepper. I, I could go for a good Dr. Pepper. If it's around mm-hmm. somewhere, I, I haven't bought any, but if it's around, I'll drink it. I used to be a big Dr. Pepper guy, more than Coke or Pepsi back really? in the day. Yeah, when I was younger. I really liked it. We used to go to Walmart and you go get for 50 cents on those vending machines outside, get a Dr. Pepper, can of Dr. Pepper for 50 cents. Couldn't beat it. Wow. I'm impressed. You got some pretty wild um, 
soda knowledge there. I know you and Joey rank all the Mountain Dews and have a good time with that. So where did you rank this new one at B-dubs on your list of all Mountain Dews? I believe it was eighth, which that's still very good because the only one I just really didn't like was Baja Flash, which was a coconut pineapple version of Mountain Dew, and it really stunk. I think it's consensus, our lowest on all of ours. Maybe not G's. I don't know for sure. But, um, yeah, I don't know. This was eight, right in the middle of the pack. Definitely would order it again, but I've had better. And co missing co-host of our show, Joey Parisi, also has that one last? Baja Flash? Yeah. Yeah. And I think he ranked Legend at nine, I think. So Interesting. Yeah. Well, if you like Mountain Dew, get out and try some Mountain Dew Legend at your local B-dubs. We all love B-dubs, big fans. It was nice hanging out last night. And, you know, while we were at B-dubs last night, there was some second-round action getting, you know, taken care of on some of the TVs there. And we will talk about that second-round action in period number one. Um, we got some comments in the chat from our B-dubs conversation real quick before we address, um, hockey, uh, Skylar talks about cherry vanilla Coke. He, he seems to like that. You, you brought that up. You like it? Oh yeah. It's and actually one of my favorite bang flavors. They have a bang flavor. That's like a cherry vanilla and, it's See, that one and it, like and it resembles Coke a little bit. Cause you got that cherry vanilla. It's in a black and red can. It's very good. It's definitely top five for me, I believe. Interesting. I like energy drinks more than soda in general, outside of Coke, because mm -hmm. Coke's my favorite non-alcoholic beverage. What do you think of Caitlin's take here about dry, dry rub wings at B-dubs being the best? I think that is just a banana. She's, a she's stirring the pot. I think she's stirring the pot, too, because I still have yet to see with my own two eyes or order them with dry rub. But I honestly think it's not that I have, like, an issue with them. I would like to dip dry rubbed wings in some sauce. Then I would do it. I would eat dry rubbed wings. Yeah, I would you too. You wouldn't catch me dead ordering dry rubbed wings at Beatles ever. Yeah, if somebody else orders them, I'll trade you. But I ain't focusing my whole order around dry rubbed wings. It's not going to happen. Now, the Chipotle barbecue dry rub sounds amazing, and I do want to try it. But like you said, I just want to try like one. I get don't want to get a whole you order. get a sauce on the side and dip them in. It's I would do that. What? It's a, dry, it's a dry rub. Yeah, and then you just it's ask for a sauce. sauce. Yeah, I know. And then you just ask for a sauce on the side to dip oh, it. Oh, I so you're saying order the Chipotle dry rub and then dip it in whatever sauce I want. Yeah, try one plain and then dip it in whatever sauce you want. That actually probably would be rather tasty. I bet you it's incredible. Yeah, so maybe we'll actually – maybe we'll – Take Miss Caitlin up on that one day and actually try some of those Chipotle dry rubs and dip them in. We could order various sauces and try them dipped in different types of sauces. I'm a big sauce guy. So I so want them extra wet. Um, I want them dripping. I want to lift it up and I want to see the sauce drip off of it as yep. if possible. In my opinion, you can never have too much sauce. I agree. Have you ever heard the song Too Much Sauce? It's too Maybe. much sauce. It's too much sauce. What about Skylar's comment? Is there the spicy Mountain Dew? There's a whole ass case of it in our fridge that Joey Parisi has yet to open yet. We are going to be trying it in the next two weeks, whether it's this weekend or the weekend after. We will be trying it soon. I have a feeling I'm not going to hate it just because I didn't hate the jalapeno bang or no, the jalapeno rain. 
I think it's going to resemble that a little bit more, just less jalapeno flavor, more of a flaming hot Cheeto flavor. I don't think I'm going to hate it. Um, it'll probably be below average in my opinion, but not near the bottom. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm going to hate it because I love spicy food. I'm that weird guy. I've said it many times. I eat extra hot stuff all the time. 90% of the meals I eat have at least a little bit of a spice to it. Um, I'm the idiot who tried shut the cluck up at Hattie B's. I'll order the the crazy stuff from B-dubs. I had mango habanero yesterday. That sauce is, makes your tongue absolutely on fire. Um, I'm that guy, but when it comes to mixing it with drinks or candy, eh, not for me. You never got your uh, opinion on the wings yesterday. How were they? Uh, the the flaming hot ones were okay. You wouldn't get them again. You tried. No, them once I probably done. I probably wouldn't get them again. And I love flaming hot. I mean, look, I got this. I got a whole bag of the chips right here. I love this stuff, but I can't. I can't say that the sauce was better than like the mango habanero or garlic. Yeah. Pie. yeah. So it is what it is. I like B dubs. I like going to B dubs. I'm comfortable when I'm at B dubs, and that was a lot of fun. So getting into hockey, before we even had our trip to B dubs, Tampa Bay swept Florida. And people who don't watch hockey, they're like, Tampa Bay swept Florida. What? Tampa Bay's in Florida, you idiot. The NHL has a team marketed in Tampa Bay and a team marketed in Florida, even though the Florida team's in Sunrise, Florida, which is close to Miami. So they're basically like the Southern Florida team. But the Tampa Bay Lightning for the what feels like billionth year in a row, I actually think it is. I'm trying to think who the Bruins would have beaten in the conference. Oh, it was the Hurricanes in 2019. But in 2018, the Capitals beat the Lightning in the conference finals. So 18, 20, 21, 22. Four out of the last five years, the Tampa Bay Lightning are in the Eastern Conference Finals. They swept the President's Trophy winning uh, Florida Panthers. I have a couple takes on this that I'm going to give out as soon as you're done talking. But I'll let you go first, Frank. What do you think of this absolute madness of the Tampa Bay Lightning right now? Uh, well, first of all, I'm not surprised that the Florida Panthers swept or got swept. I mean, did I think they were going to get swept? No. But the way that they played um, against the Washington Capitals, who in my opinion were the worst Eastern Conference playoff team, it looked like dog shit. And if you're going to struggle like that against the Capitals, there's no shot you're going to go to play Tampa Bay, the reigning champions, and just think you're going to win a series against them, especially when you can't score any goals. I mean, they scored three goals in the whole series. And if you remember correctly, back in 2017 when the Hawks played Nashville, they also scored three goals in the series. And where did that lead them? A sweep. So, I mean, if you're not going to score, especially against Tampa Bay, I mean, you're just not going to win games. You're not going to win a 1-0 game. You're going to have to score some goals. And, and they did it. And, you know, what? after game one, you asked me last week if I would change my pick. And I said, absolutely, I'm changing my pick to the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think they're going to beat the Panthers. They came out flat. And ultimately, see you later. The curse of the President's Trophy continues. The curse of the President's Trophy certainly does continue. It's a dirty, rotten shame. I picked the Tampa Bay Lightning to win the Stanley Cup, so I am out of the bracket. Um, I have a couple takes here. The last 200 shots faced by Andre Vasilevsky in a clinching game have been saved except one. This man is on another level. Paul Bissonette, Biz Nasty. Anson Carter, Liam McHugh, and Rick Tockett, who if, if Rick Tockett becomes the coach of the Devils, I'll cry of happiness. I would I would love that. Um, I, do, I don't think he'll be on TNT's panel next year. He will be a coach of a National Hockey League team. Maybe he'll come to the Hawks. That would be sick, too. If Rick yeah. Tockett was the Hawks coach, that'd be sick. 
Anyway, they debated the Mount Rushmore of goalies, and they agreed that like the three in untouchable are Martin Brodeur, Patrick Waugh, and Dominic Hasek. I don't think anybody argues those three. It's kind of like saying Gretzky, Lemieux, and Orr as the top three greatest forwards of all time, or the top three greatest skaters of all time. Then you could debate the fourth. Some people think it's Crosby. I think it's Crosby. Some people think it's uh, Gordy Howe. Some people think it's uh, Mark Messier. Some people think uh, so I've heard people say Ovechkin, which isn't a horrid take. I don't agree with it, but it's not a horrid take. Um, I've heard people uh, people bring up Yager because he's second all time. The point I'm trying to make is a lot of them brought up Vasilevsky creeping into that spot, and it's hard to argue. This man has won the Vezina Trophy as the best goalie in the National Hockey League. He's won the last two Stanley Cups. And not only has he won the last two Stanley Cups, it's probably the most dominant goaltending that we've seen in Stanley Cup playoff play. And you combine that with the fact that they have Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov playing at the top of their game. Victor Hedman is one of the best defensemen that I've ever seen. I mean, if you could craft a defenseman in a lab to just have everything that he needs to be elite in the NHL, I honestly think Victor Hedman would come out of the other side of that. Um, they played this whole series without Braden Point and they didn't, you know, miss a beat. The third line, you know, the, the rebuilt third line with Brandon Hagel, Ross Colton, who was a fourth liner last year, and he got credit for the Stanley Cup game winning goal last year, Ross Colton. He's playing on the third line with, Brandon Hagel now, and then Nick Paul, who they acquired from Ottawa. Nick Paul won the series against the Leafs. He scored two goals. They won two to one. I, I, the Tampa Bay Lightning, man. I, I tweeted that. I think I tweeted those exact words in that sequence twice. The Tampa Bay Lightning, man. They just keep getting it done. They keep proving us wrong. Well, they keep proving me wrong. I'm done counting them out, though. I think they're going to win the cup. But, um, it makes me feel better about the Leafs. Joey argued with me about that. The Leafs gave the Lightning everything they could, and they still lost. Sure, I, I was wrong. The Leafs lost. I'm not backing away from that. I fully admit that I was wrong about the Leafs getting over that hump against the Lightning, but it makes me feel a little bit better about them not getting over the Lightning. And it, to me, it proves my point even further. The Leafs would have killed Florida. You know, they would have killed Carolina, New York. Shesterkin's hard to beat, so it's hard to say New York just because of the goalie. But, you know, I think they would have killed the Bruins. I think they would have dominated the Penguins. So, man, the Leafs, they, they got to be they gotta be so angry. They had a lead in game six against Tampa, and they took two bad penalties. Kucherov scored a five on three, and Tampa won the next two straight. And now they just are unstoppable. Vasilevsky's locked in. I've, I can't say... The Hawks and Kings and Penguins were really good, um, you know, during their little runs there in the early mid to mid-2010s. I don't think they were as dominant as this Lightning team, and none of them won three in a row. The Lightning haven't won three in a row yet either. We'll see. But, you know, they swept the President's Trophy winner without their second-line center, who would be a first-line center on most teams. I, I, I'm running out of nice things to say about the Tampa Bay Lightning. They've got four locked-in Hall of Famers and a bunch of other guys who are still really good. Like, I don't think Braden Point's a Hall of Famer. He's not point per game in his career. He's never won any major awards. Stamkos is a lock. I mean, two cups, um, the the multi, or the 60-goal season, 
uh, the Rocket Richard. I mean, this guy's just unbelievable. Victor Hedman's won the Norris Trophy. Um, he's got a Con Smythe Trophy as playoff MVP. That's another thing I forgot to mention for Vasilevsky. He also has a Con Smythe Trophy as playoff MVP. So, you know, I'm going to stop hugging the Tampa Bay Lightning as much as I am right now, but we're going to be talking about them next show because they'll be, you know, knee deep into a series with either the New York Rangers or the Carolina Hurricanes. We'll get to that a little bit later. We're going to talk about that series last out of the four, but that's my take on Tampa Bay. They're damn good. Yeah, and, you know, Vasilevsky's very clutch. When their yep. back's against the wall, he just he dials in and they end up not getting eliminated. And when they have an elimination game for the opposing team, they get it done that game. They don't wait two games, three games. If they're up three to one in the series, there's a good chance they close it out in five. Um, they've been they've been fun to watch, but I think they're beatable and I think they're going to get taken down. It's an interesting take. I mean, you're you're not necessarily wrong. Of course, someone can beat them. There's a team in the Western Conference that I think can beat them if they were to meet in the West in the Stanley Cup Final. And there's also a team in the Western Conference Final who I don't think is as good as Tampa Bay or even close. But they have a guy who is capable of being, you know, beating any individual team on any individual day. But you know, we'll talk about that team in a little bit here as well. But we'll start off with the next series that I want to talk about. Um, it's actually Game Five is tonight between the Colorado Avalanche and the St. Louis Blues. The Colorado Avalanche took a 3-2-1 series lead over the St. Louis Blues in their most recent game, and it really wasn't even close. The score made it seem like it was a little bit closer than it was. 5-3, you know, it's not a devastating score, but it also, like, it's not it, – did it end up being 6-3 with this empty net, or it actually looks like it did? So it was 6-3 in favor of the Avalanche. I kind of forgot about that. That's right. It was like one point whatever seconds left. But um, they dominated the game. They outshot them almost two to one. Um, when you outshoot a team two to one in the postseason, and you know you end up scoring six, it's not really, it's not really close in my opinion. The Colorado Avalanche are significantly better than the St. Louis Blues. Joey thinks that if Bennington didn't get hurt, the series would be different. Sure, it might be a little different. I still think Colorado would smash them. I just do. Um, yeah, it might have taken the wind out of their sails a little bit, but something else would have happened where. Colorado would have taken the wind out of the Blues. It just might have taken a little bit longer. It might have taken an extra game. But I think the Colorado Avalanche are the Western Conference version of the Tampa Bay Lightning right now. They don't have anybody who's a lock for the Hall of Fame like Tampa Bay does because they're much younger. The only one who's McKinnon will make it to the Hall of Fame. But he, if he retired today, he wouldn't. The four guys on Tampa would if they retired today. Um, t- Nate's got a little bit to go here, but Kale McCarr, Devin Taves, Bowen Byram, uh, even this Valeri Nachuskin scored 20 goals in the regular season. He's been he's a big body, hard to move, get to the front of the net. Uh, I'm not even talking about Miko Rantanen or their captain Gabriel Landeskog. I mean, this team is deep. And then, you know, there's another player on this team, their second line center, Nifty Nazi Dangleman, Nazem Kadri. We could talk about him and the antics that followed him in a minute but I want your take on the series as a whole, kind of like I just gave. Yeah, you know, you're not going to beat the Colorado Avalanche unless you outscore them. That sounds silly, but I know people get the point across because obviously you got to outscore your opponents. But they've scored 15 goals in four games. If you're St. Louis and scoring two to three goals a game, you're not going to win the game. It's like Colorado is almost guaranteed four goals a game. Um, 
And it's just, it's really remarkable to watch, especially they, they go down in game four, 1-0. And I kind of reiterate this fact week after week after week that they just love playing from behind. They go down 1-0, score the next four unanswered to go up 4-1. to in a matter of like, it was crazy. It was like goal after goal after goal. I kept seeing the score change. I go, what's going on? Did they pull the goalie? Does um, St. Louis have a goalie in it or what's going on? Like, the, the goals just kept coming. But I think the biggest X factors here have been Kadri and Makar. Kadri with the hat trick in game four is up to 10 points this postseason. And obviously Makar, who I, he was my favorite for the MVP of the playoffs. He's up to 12 points and he's, he's making a big impact. But I think the Colorado Avalanche right now, they're just too offensively minded and they could just easily overpower anybody, which leads me to believe if for some reason they did play the Edmonton Oilers, I don't know, man. I, I think Colorado's looking to be a lock to make it to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, I mean, St. Louis has better forwards than Nashville. So Kale McCarr isn't going to be having, you know, seven points every four games against the St. Louis Blues, but he'll still get his cake and eat it too from the back end which is incredibly hard to do in the playoffs. I honestly think he's the best defenseman in the NHL. He's the best offensive defenseman in the NHL since Eric Carlson was in his prime. Um, I I still think uh, Victor Hedman in his prime is the best two-way defenseman I've ever seen. And like right there with him is Duncan Keith and Drew Doughty in their prime. But in terms of just pure offense and the skating and the magicalness, that's Kale McCarr. And then you look at the rest of Colorado's defense and Gerard's probably going to be out for a while. You know, he got hurt earlier in the series against the blues, but he's just a solid, solid, solid defenseman, defensive defenseman that chips an offense here. And there, I believe we saw him get drafted at the United center by the um, Ottawa senators. And then he went to Colorado in the Matt Duchesne deal. I would have to fact check that, but I thought he got drafted earlier than that. Earlier. In life, yeah, I thought like maybe 2016. Uh, I, I I thought it was that year. I would have to fact check. Right. I'm, I don't pretty know. Sure, I'm pretty sure Gerard was drafted, or no, he might have been drafted by Nashville because it was a three way trade with Duchesne. With the Duchesne trade, it was a three way trade between Colorado, Ottawa, and Nashville. Kyle Turris went to Ottawa from or went to Nashville from Ottawa. The Senators got Matt Duchesne. And Colorado got a bunch of picks and prospects. And one of them was the fourth overall pick in 2019 that turned into uh, Bowen Byram. And then I'm pretty sure Gerard was part of that package as well, but I would have to fact check that. Um, Then you look at Devin Taves, one of the stupidest moves Lou Lamorello has ever made as a GM in the National Hockey League. And he's made some dumb ones. He's also a three-time Stanley Cup champion GM with the New Jersey Devils. But trading Devin Taves for two second-round picks is just so dumb. I can't believe that fell in their lap. And then the Chicago Blackhawks taking Kirby Doc instead of Bowen Byram, to me, is a head-scratcher. They could even add Zegris. If they had Zegris instead of Doc, or even Turcotte, even Dylan Cousins over uh, freaking Kirby Doc, I would have been okay with. But Bowen Byram, he has a chance to be like a special defenseman, and he's like their number four right now. Even Eric Johnson is out there scoring goals. And, you know, he's getting the post-game interview with the TNT guys talking to Biz and them with his no teeth in front. So, you know, Colorado's just a complete package. They have elite forwards. I want to talk to you about something serious here, though. 
And, you know, I'm sure we'll get into some serious conversation non-sports-wise on this show at least a little bit. But Nazem Kadri did nothing wrong. I and am. people people hate him. People hate him. He, he's been wrong in the past. He got suspended three years in a row. He got suspended against the boss. Or I think it was three out of four years. He didn't get suspended in the bubble. But he, the two years against the Bruins, I think he hit Pasternak in the head one time or something. It was either him or Martian. You know, someone got under his skin. He lost his mind. For some reason, Tory Krug comes to mind too, which is kind of funny because he's on the Blues now. But there were the two years against the Bruins, and then last year he hit Falk in the head and got suspended for that in their series because the Blues played the Avalanche last year in the playoffs too, oddly enough. What a rivalry that's becoming. Um, oh, it's just so good. I love why I can't wait to see the game tonight. Um Kadri did nothing wrong on this particular play. He was trying to score. He did not run Bennington on purpose. He barely run it, ran him at all. It's an unfortunate play for Bennington that he's out for the you know the rest of the series, and the St. Louis Blues got the wind knocked out of their sails because of it. But if you think after watching that replay that Kadri was trying to hurt him on that play, you just don't know what the hell you're talking about. You're talking through your ass because you hate Kadri, which whatever, that happens all the time. If it were Brad Marchand, it would be the same thing. People would be saying he did it on purpose, even though he clearly didn't, because Brad Marchand has been a fuck in the past. Like, we all get it. But and Kadri's been a fuck in the past. You know, he's gotten under people's skin. He's been a great player, too. And these fucking Muppets who go on social media and make fun of his Arab heritage and talk about him, you know, making fun of him for being brown and, you know, all sorts of horrid things directed towards his family and the Nazem Kadri Foundation that helps kids fuck you. His agent was exposing people on Twitter. His, I think it's his wife exposing people who are sending her dirtbag messages about, you know, just because they're pissed St. Louis Blues fans or NHL fans about what Kadri, you know, got himself caught up in with Bennington and trying to score. Get that out. Get it out right now. If you watch this show and you saw what Kadri did and you immediately went to race, fuck off. I want nothing to do with you. I don't want you on my show. I don't want any of it. I have a huge, huge problem with it. Hockey is for everyone. Okay? I don't care if you're a chubby Italian kid like me. I don't care if you're, you know, Mr. Mizzou, white boy, whatever. Nazem Kadri, disgusting. I hate it. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I re- was able to read a few comments that people were saying, and they were, like, really, really bad. Like Really bad. Really bad. To the point where the NHL came out and released a statement yeah. on their social media because, like, I was so shocked at what I was reading. It was, like, I was shocked. I really have, like, no words for it because it's just so bad, and I can't believe people got that upset over it. Um it's just a shame that people are like that. Um, I don't like to see it. And yeah, I mean, I, I really got no words. It's just disgraceful, especially for like the NHL. And like, cause like you said, hockey's for everyone. So yeah. Every sport deals with it. It's a shame, but Nazem Kadri came out the next game and had a hat trick. Yeah. So it, you know, it obviously didn't slow him down. So if anything, it added fuel to the fire and went out. And no, he, but he admitted to Biz after the game that it hurts. 
And like, yeah, you try to rub it off and you try to, you know, go out there and just score and quiet everyone. He admitted that it hurts to biz and I'm sure it hurts his family. You know, it sucks. I hate it. I hate dealing with it. I hate seeing it. And I just wanted to go on that little rant and let people know that where we stand as a podcast on that. Very good. So they're going to play They're Well, if they win, someone asked me on Twitter today who I think is going to win. I think Colorado closes it out tonight. Don't you? Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Then there's the battle of Alberta, which the bad blood is the actual fun kind of bad blood. When you talk about the battle of Alberta, these guys are fighting all over the place, playing close games. The only game that wasn't particularly close was game three when Edmonton took a two to one series lead with rather ease at Calgary was pretty much never in it from the start. Evander Kane had a natural hat trick in the first period. Um, I cracked the joke to you. Two of the most prominent players in the playoffs so far this season have been guys named Taves and Kane, which is just, it's kind of funny, but you know, the Edmonton Oilers take a three to one series lead over the Calgary flames. What's your reaction? Well, you know, I think the biggest problem here is I feel like Markstrom's lost some of that regular season magic that he had. You know, he had such a great regular season. I thought he was going to win the Vezina at one point early on. He had a 222 uh, goals against average. And now in the playoffs, he has a 265 goals against average. That means he's up 0.43 in goals against. You're supposed to be better in the playoffs, not worse. And, you know, that makes a difference. That .43 makes a difference when you're playing Dreisaitl, McDavid, or even Evander Kane, so be it. I mean, if you would have told me Evander Kane would be the leading goal scorer of the playoffs, I would have said you're on glue. He's got 10 goals and three assists. Dude's got 10 goals. He's the only player in the postseason right now with double-digit goals. I would have never guessed it. So when you got guys playing like that alongside McDavid and Dreisaitl, Tough team to beat, but I think the biggest problem right now is who's in the net. You're up 3-0. Calgary comes back and ties it, and the way that Calgary tied it against Mike on Mike Smith was just pitiful. It was a full ice goal. They scored from their own end. I mean, you can't let that happen when you're playing the Colorado Avalanche. If the Avalanche win and the Oilers win, they'll get dusted. Especially, you got to outscore Colorado, and Edmonton can score. But if you don't have the goalie, like and the Oilers don't have a goalie, Colorado's going to score six or seven a game on Mike Smith. I mean, he does not look good. When you're up 3-0, you should win every game. There should be really no sweat involved. But when you're letting goals in from your own, from full ice, that's just bad. It's a bad look for the Edmonton Oilers. I think they'd be better off without Mike Smith. And I, I think they, they're not gonna, he's not going to be there long term. Obviously, he's getting old. They're going to go with somebody younger. But I don't know. I think that's their kryptonite here in the postseason, and that's why I don't even see them getting to the cup at all. Who knows if Calgary comes back and wins the series? I mean, hell, the Rangers did against the Penguins after the Penguins were up 3-1. So I'm not counting anything out at the moment. I just think they're in deep trouble going forward with Mike Smith. I agree with you. Edmonton is in trouble with Mike Smith. He gave up a goal from the other end of the ice yesterday. But Connor McDavid is putting together one of the greatest single-season postseasons ever. Do you know that when the Bruins 
lost the cup to the St. Louis Blues in 2019. Brad Marsham left led the entire playoffs in scoring with 23 points. McDavid has 25 right now, and it's halfway through the second round. So he he could get into like the 40s by the time the playoffs are all said and done, which yeah. is just absolutely insane to me. I can't believe what we're seeing from this guy. I think the Battle of Alberta is getting started. I think Calgary takes the next game at home. And, like, I, I honestly could see it going seven. I want Edmonton to win because I want to watch more McDavid. I want to see where he can take this thing. But, you know, we're starting to see from Edmonton something that we need to see. Mike Smith has been better in the last two games. He gave up that goal from the other end of the rink yesterday. But in the last two games, he's actually looked pretty good. And if they can continue getting that Mike Smith, then I think they can win. And I think they can win a lot. Leon Dreisaitl's hurt. There's no doubt about it, and he's still chipping in offense. He's got like 14 assists and five goals. I'm pretty sure he's probably second in playoffs and scoring. If I were to look at it, you know, he's just mm-hmm. been – he's literally been that good. I have the playoff scoring right here ahead of me. He is second in playoff scoring. He has 22 points. The goal scoring for him has been down a little bit. He's been a little bit more of the playmaker here in the playoffs, but he, he does – he's up there still. He has – I could actually look at how many goals – Drysaddle does have seven goals, which is fourth in the entire playoffs. Evander Kane's up to 12 now. I think you said 10. He's up to 12 goals now, is which it? is just absolutely insane. Even worse. Um, yeah, well, Even better, I mean, you know. that goes back to the McDavid factor. You said you wouldn't predict Evander Kane to have that many goals in the playoffs. I actually would. I'm not saying I would pick him specifically, but I'm saying it doesn't really surprise me that he has that many goals because when you combine any player with a natural ability to score goals, which Evander Kane has displayed in his NHL career. He's got multiple 30 goal seasons. You know, some of the off ice issues are the reason that he started his career in Winnipeg. Then he was traded to Buffalo. Then he was traded to San Jose. Then he was forced out of there. Now he's with Edmonton. He's a very good goal scorer. If you ignore the off ice stuff that he's dealt with in the last couple of years, he's an elite goal scorer, I would say. And you put that on a line with McJesus and 12 goals in, you know, whatever, 10 games. It It's a lot. He had the hat trick to help him for sure. But McDavid just – when he puts it on your stick in high-danger areas, a guy like Evander Kane's going to bury him. You know, it, it makes me wonder why Edmonton waited this long to get like a 30-goal score. I mean, he kind of fell on their lap. And when San Jose cut him, you're Evander Kane. Where can I earn myself the next? great contract in the NHL. Where can I make it so obvious that another team really needs to pay me? I'll just go play with McDavid. Because now if you're Colorado and you're going to be cap crunch next year, well, McKinnon can make you look like a really good uh, goal scorer too. Not as much as McDavid, but he's up there. Or, you know, he could go to New Jersey. This Jack Hughes kid over there, he's making everyone score 20 goals. You know, he got Yegor Sharangovich to score 20 goals. Um... You know, maybe he, that's an option. Mitch Marner, he could make a guy score. He had a guy score 60 goals. And I know Matthews has the wrist shot, but don't think playing with a playmaker like Marner didn't help him. Um, I don't think the Hawks are looking for any Vander Kane type player with the rebuild they're going for. But if he played with Patrick Kane, if the two Canes played together, Kane would get back to his 60 assist days and Evander Kane would score 30 again. So I really like what Evander Kane's been doing. I think he's been great in the playoffs. 
I hear he's kind of an a-hole. Edmonton doesn't care. McDavid's already gotten in his grill a little bit. Then they denied that that was the reason. But one thing I wanted to talk to you about in regards to the series is game one. That game was one of the best playoff hockey games I ever watched. I mean, what were there, 14 goals? and something like that 15-9-6 or 9-7 yeah something like that there were just goal after goal after goal and Edmonton looked like they had no business even being in the game and then they eventually tied it early in the third but then they gave up a quick goal again later I mean we're seeing the stars of both teams Johnny Mm -hmm. Hockey Sean Monaghan Brady or Matthew Kachuk uh, Andrew Mangiapane then you flip over to Edmonton Connor McDavid Leon Dreisaitl I talked about them as the leading scorers I've loved what I've seen from um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He had two yesterday. He's a former number one overall pick. People forget that. He's a very good player. And people say, oh, Edmonton's just McDavid. That's not true in terms of their forwards. It's just not. It, it You can riff on Mike Smith and say the defense needs help. Darnell Nurse, Evan Bouchard, and Duncan Keith. They're only three of six defensemen. You fill out the rest of the six, though, and it's pretty good decor. And you get a better goalie then oh yeah Nugent Hopkins, Drysaddle McDavid, Paul Yarvey's a really good player, Yamamoto's a really good player, Evander Kane's a really good player. There's it's not that surprising to me that Edmonton has a 3 to 1 series lead in the second round. The only thing that surprises me is the fact that they have a guy like Mike Smith taking them this far. And the deeper you get in the playoffs, the harder it is to score for everyone, the better each goalie plays. That could work in Mike Smith's favor as well. If you wanted to really make Mike Smith look like a fool, that was on the job of the Los Angeles Kings, and they didn't do it. So now you're seeing him start to lock in. He's got more playoff experience than anybody on Edmonton, Sands, Duncan, Keith. I like this team. You know, I I agree with you, but, like, I just – Mike Smith is – I see him getting dusted if they play Colorado. I don't think it's close. Colorado's dominating everybody right now. Um, it's just, you know, I think the Oilers are very lucky that they did choke that 3-0 lead in the game. Cause if they did and Calgary won that game, let me tell you something. They were going to win the series in six. I think Calgary is going to go home and win in game five. So if the roles were reversed, they'd be up three, two. I don't see Calgary choking a three, two lead, but if we're sitting here next Wednesday, talking about what happened in the Edmonton, Colorado series, I'd be zero surprised if we said Calgary won in seventh. I would. I would be I wouldn't be shocked at all. I wouldn't either. The Battle of Alberta, it's a rivalry. It's they're they're fighting, they're scoring, everyone's scoring. It's not like uh Markstrom's been all world either. But people getting on Markstrom to me, I literally think that highly of McDavid that yeah, you brought up the best way to beat Colorado is to outscore them. And then you were like, yeah, well, you have to outscore your opponent whenever you play hockey. That's how you play hockey. Like, I know what you mean by that, though. When you say you need to outscore Colorado is you need to be a prolific offensive team to beat the Colorado Avalanche. It's basically a long-winded way of saying what you said. And Edmonton can be that. If Connor McDavid gets four points a game and then you get two or three other goals – you know, worked hard by either the fourth line. Uh, Ryan McLeod has had an impressive series. He draws penalties. He's fast. He's a good penalty killer, much like his brother, Mikey McLeod, that plays for the New Jersey Devils. Um, They have, you know, 
they have an okay defense core. Duncan Keith isn't the Duncan Keith that he once was, but he's a really good number four. And I like Darnell Nurse. I think Evan Bouchard is awesome. The Blackhawks took Adam Boquist over that guy. Um, it's it's a really good team. I agree that the goalie can be an issue, and if Calgary came back, I wouldn't be all that surprised. But if the goalie locked in and figured it out for at least one more game in the series, I also wouldn't be surprised. Do you think if you had to bet, what were you going to say? You could finish your thought. Well, I don't want you to forget what you're going to say either. I but won't. I have it written down. Besides, besides Nashville's with their injuries and the problems they had in goaltending, you know, and Sorrow's going down. And if you don't really, I mean, look at what they did to that goaltending. And I, I think Mike Smith is some of the worst goaltending that Colorado would face if they faced Mike Smith. Um, and just look at how they dominated Nashville's goaltending. When Nashville, who was in, didn't Nashville go to their third string? Who was the third string for Nashville? Yeah, I'm trying to think of his name. I don't remember, but Saros was hurt, and then yeah, yeah, and then and then they they ended up going to like the third string, and we're seeing Colorado score like seven, eight goals a game, and Mike Smith is up there as like just bad goaltending, which makes me nervous. Are the Oilers going to score seven goals a game? Because I think that if Colorado does face Mike Smith, Colorado is just going to absolutely just pour it on him. I don't see it. I, I don't. I don't. I can see McDavid helping Edmonton keep up with them offensively. Yeah, but Colorado's been dominating every other goaltender, and Mike Smith might be the worst one they'll face. So if he's doing it to better goaltenders than him, dominating five, six goals a game, what are they going to do to him? They yeah. might keep it close, Edmonton. I know the goaltending for Colorado can contain it. We've seen it. Darcy Kemper is really good goalie. Yeah. Yeah. What were you gonna say? Do you, you think I'm not gonna forget? I have it all written down. Do you think the Edmonton Oilers are going to hang on and win the series? Probably. Yeah. I would say so. You're hesitant though. I am because I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised. I think this the series is so lopsided right now, and going into it, I did, I thought it'd be lopsided the other way. I thought Calgary may win in five. I just now that it's going the game. Five down three one. Calgary has a chance to make it three to two when they go back to home ice. I'm a little hesitant. If they win game five, they could easily snag one on the road, and then anything could happen in game seven. When you're going back to Calgary, are you kidding me? In game seven? I mean, look at the Penguins. I think there's a better chance that the Calgary Flames could come back than I thought the Rangers would have a better chance of coming back. I think. The Flames have better odds than the Rangers had. So that's why I'm a little hesitant. I understand. I kind of agree. But also at the same time, the Penguins had Louis Domingue. And I, I don't know if we're going to disagree on this at all. I think Louis Domingue is a far worse goalie than Mike Smith. In the, in the playoffs – these these numbers are going to surprise you. These numbers are actually going to surprise you. In the playoffs so far, Mike Smith has a 931 save percentage, which is good for a uh, tie for fifth in the National Hockey League playoffs. Goals against average, he has a 2.60, which that's not great, but that could also be a result of the or the 
the Flames giving up goals because, yeah, it's seventh. There's a big gap between six and seven. Vasilevsky, Kemper, Ranta, DeSmith, Ottinger, and Bennington are ahead of him in that regard. Mm-hmm. But of the goalies left, he actually ranks third. So Mike Smith has been crap when he's crap, but when he's been good, he's been good. And the numbers yeah. do reflect that. I'm not, so, I'm not disagreeing with you, but you've got to also think any goalie that makes it to the second round and on the verge of going to the Stanley Cup or the conference finals is going to have good numbers yeah. because obviously they scored more than their opponents. So those goaltenders are going to be lower than the winning goaltenders. You know, it's just stats. I just think when Mike Smith's off, he's off and he's a good goal. I mean, we've seen what he could do. I mean, I've seen the Hawks play Mike Smith in 2012 in the, uh, with the Coyotes. Yeah. We see what he's capable of. I mean, I, I'm not saying he's bad. I mean, career-wise, he's had a good career. I'd want to have Mike Smith's career as a goalie if I was a goalie. I'd oh, sign yeah. up for that. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you're saying – Well, you're saying you're also, like, kind of predicting that his implosion is likely. And that I kind of agree with. That I agree with. He He's hard to put your faith in because he's 40 – and he's been bad in the regular season, and Edmonton has had goaltending problems for a really long time. I, I Nothing you said I disagree with. I looked up those numbers for the first time just now and was actually a little surprised. A 930 save percentage. But uh, I, want, I want Edmonton to win. I do. Especially when it's looking like they're going to play Colorado. I think it's yeah. just inevitable that the implosion's coming. That, that, that to me is very fair. Um, so the second period, or no, we still have the New York Rangers versus Carolina Hurricanes. That's a 2-2 series tie. The New York Rangers came back and have won the last two games in that series after going down 2 nothing. The Carolina Hurricanes are 0-5 on the road, 6-0 and at home. What is going on? It's probably one of the weirdest series I've witnessed in my life. We've oh, never man. really seen anything... We've well, never seen anything like this. It, this is just – I mean, it's only a matter of time before they get a win on the road, but it's also a matter of time before they lose at home, I would think. I think they're more likely to get their first win on the road, though, than lose at home. If they went undefeated at home through the playoffs, I wouldn't be shocked. But if they went 0-X on the road, I'd be a little surprised just because I feel like when you're a good home team, it's easier to keep that going. But eventually, you're just gonna win. You're gonna win on the road. Um, they may become the first NHL team to make it to a conference final with zero road wins. I don't know if it's ever been done, but you got to think about it. Um, that means you'd have to be the best seed, because the only way you could advance by not winning on the road would be going to Game Seven. So you'd have to have home ice. You'd have to be the best seed. I don't think that's ever happened in our lifetime. Um, I'd be Aho and Ter- Aho and Teravina have been on fire. I kind of had this feeling in the back of my mind when they went up 2-0, and especially after they lost game three, I was like, they're probably going to choke game four. But when they come home, it seems like they're near impossible to beat. And the Bruins Bruins showed signs of life to beat the Hurricanes at home. They had a couple close games. I mean, a lot of their goals came late in the game when it didn't matter, like when it was 3-1 Carolina and Pasternak, I think, scored like 20 seconds left in game seven. Yeah, it looked closer than it was, but I mean, even he wasn't celebrating the goal. Just they're really, really hard to beat at home. Um, I do think they end up 
winning against I they're gonna win game five. I wholeheartedly believe that. I think they're gonna go to seven and zero at home. And like I said, it's only a matter of time. They win game six on the road. Good for them. If not, you're coming home. Game seven, crowd's gonna be pumped up again. And we have seen in the playoffs before. I remember the Los Angeles Kings won three consecutive Game 7s to make it to the Stanley Cup. I'd be 0% surprised if that's the same case with the Carolina Hurricanes. they got to win their second back-to-back Game 7. I'm just not that high up on the Rangers. I'm not that high up on the Rangers at all. They have the second-best goalie in the playoffs right now. And that that makes them difficult. There's no way around it. You have that good goaltending. That's why the Hawks were so good for so long. Corey Crawford was on top of his game every playoff season. And then he had Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, Johnny Oduya, and Nicholas Yalmerson ahead of him. You throw Michael Rosenwald in as the fifth defenseman and rotate in and out the sixth defenseman with like a kid every time, every year. It was always a really good unit protecting him in front. And the Rangers do something very similar. Outside of, you know, Panarin and Zabanajad, their offense doesn't scare me. It's all veterans who are going to decline after this year anyway or after next year depending on how things shake out, but it's not like Lafreniere and Capocacco have taken over this series and make me think, wow, the Rangers are going to be really good for a really long time. They're only prospects that they've like really, truly hit on are Fox and Chesterkin, and I really like Keandre Miller. They're actually they're becoming a defenseman factory over there in New York. Their defense is awesome, and it helps Chesterkin tremendously. Their offense... They're not getting it from the guys that I think they want to be getting it from outside of Panarin and Zibanejad. Of course, you want those guys to score. But like Lafreniere and Capo Caco have not, or even Heedle. Heedle's got a couple goals, but they haven't influenced this series as much as I think Rangers fans want. And they're riding their goalie. And I, I don't hate it. They've scored some goals at home in this series against Carolina. I think Carolina's a better team, but the better team doesn't always win when they don't have the better goalie. And, you know, Antti Rantz is a really good goalie. I'm not shitting on him at all, but it's definitely a a really close series for me. I know Edmonton's up three to one over Calgary. I think that's the closest series, even if Edmonton does take it in five because every game was close. Carolina and New York, it's like whoever's home just dominates. I know game one, Carolina scored late and ended up winning. But like for the most part, Carolina's just been shit on the road and elite at home, like unbeatable at home. That's why I think they're in for a rude awakening when they if they play the Tampa Bay Lightning. But I'm going to ask you this to end our conversation on the Rangers versus Hurricanes. If you're the Tampa Bay Lightning, the only team that has advanced to the conference finals as of this moment, who would you rather face? I think I'm a little biased here. I would say I think they'd rather face the New York Rangers um, just because I wholeheartedly believe that Carolina is very capable of beating the Lightning. I don't see the Rangers beating the Lightning at all. I think that the Hurricanes are a real threat to beat them. Um, No matter who they play, they're going on the road. So Carolina would have home ice. Rangers would have home ice. Um, So that really doesn't make a difference on their – I mean, if they had home ice against any team, I would say I would choose the other team who they had home ice against because who doesn't want home ice? But um, I just think – when you look at the rosters, I think Carolina matches – or um, I think Tampa Bay matches up better against the Rangers than they do Carolina. That's very fair. I disagree with you. It, I'm not saying you're wrong. I've been wrong a lot these playoffs. We all kind of have. But I, I can't say that it's the Carolina Hurricanes – 
or the New York Rangers that the Tampa Bay Lightning would rather play, and I'll tell you why. If we go into that series, Rangers versus Lightning, it will be a rematch of a couple conference finals from a couple years ago. Each of the Lightning and the Rangers have beaten each other in the conference finals. Um, you know, in the course of the Tampa Bay's core, at least Kucherov, Stamkos, and Hedman, I think Ben Bishop was probably prominently in charge back then, at least some of it. Um, the entire media, me, you, the show, the entire narrative around the series would be Shesterkin versus Vasilevsky, the two Russian goalies who are taking over the NHL. I think the run-and-gun offensive game that Carolina likes to play just plays right into the hands of the Tampa Bay Lightning. They they handled the Leafs. The, the Leafs gave them everything they can handle. I think the Leafs are better than Carolina. I think they have more skill up front. Um, Carolina's got a better defense, but the Leafs probably have a better goalie. It's close. I think I would pick Toronto over Carolina. But the way Tampa Bay defends when it matters most, I think plays into the hands for them against Carolina, where the Rangers, they're okay sitting back and letting the two goalies play. And then whoever makes the first mistake can get that, you know, that edge. Panarin's capable of making you pay for mistakes. Sabanajad, Kreider is finally scoring in this series, getting some shots on goal. He had one shot shot on goal through the first three games, I think it was. Now he's got a goal. He's feeling good about his game in the playoffs. Um, I would rather play the Hurricanes if I were the Lightning. That's just my opinion. I think there are more weaknesses that Tampa Bay has the ability to expose where New York's weaknesses aren't necessarily as easy exposable for Tampa Bay. And you never want to face the hot goalie either. That's the thing I, I struggle with too. If Shesterkin gets so hot and nothing's beating him, it doesn't matter how the teams play in front of him. You know, and that's not necessarily true. If you're giving up two-on-ones every other shift, then a team eventually is going to beat any goalie. Brodeur, Wah, Hasek combined in their prime would give up two-on-one goals if they were given up that frequently. But as long as you play a sound enough game, which New York does in front of Shesterkin, they, they can beat anybody. It's just whether or not they will. And Vasilevsky's obviously capable of doing the exact same thing for Tampa Bay on the other end. So I think they would be both personally. But if I had to pick one, it would be Carolina for Tampa Bay. That's very fair. So that's the second round. It's incredible hockey. That's one thing I know we agree on. Every single game is sick. They're all close. Everyone wants to win so, so, so badly. The teams left are incredible. I mean, I'm looking at the list of teams. The only team left that doesn't have like a bona fide super duper star is the St. Louis Blues. The thing is, though, like, okay, so. So Colorado has McCarr, McKinnon, Ranton, and those are all like 100-point guys. McCarr's a defenseman. Um, Edmonton has Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, who could both be Hart Trophy top five guys every single year. Uh, Calgary has Johnny Goudreau and Matthew Kuchuk, who are each 95 to 100-point guys every single year, no matter what. They are absolute superstar, like fun-to-watch type guys. The New York Rangers have Panarin and Fox. And the goalie, Shesterkin, they literally have like a superstar at every position. And the Carolina Hurricanes have 
uh, Sebastian Aho, Stefechnikov, Tara Vinen's really, really good. I love their defense. Uh, I hate to say it, Tony D'Angelo's a really good player. Slavin's awesome. They have superstars too. The Blues, they probably have the most depth in terms of depth scoring. I think they led the league with 20 goal scorers, and I think they led the league in double-digit goal scorers. So they don't have that, like, one guy. Like, that's what the Minnesota Wild finally had this year was, like, that one guy. They always had, like, you know, Parisi was always their best player, but once he started to decline, it was all by committee. Zach was getting 20. You know, everyone on the team was getting 20. St. Louis has a bunch of 20 goal scorers. They don't have that 35-40 goal scorer but they're still really fun to watch because every line is dangerous. So that's why I'm telling you, you need to watch the playoffs. That's my long way of saying that every team has something to be excited about watching. And I love it. And I hope Me you learn as much. So NHL topics to get to, and we're going to do that in period number two. Welcome to Period 2, brought to you by the Server Network. My name is Vinny Parisi. I'm here with Frankie Mueller. We're talking the rest of the NHL non-playoff type stuff. There's some things going on around the league that don't have to do with the playoffs. We've been going over the awards for the last couple weeks now. There was one or two, two weeks ago. Then there was a big meat portion of the awards announced last show. But today we have two that are out there and ready to be discussed. Of course, we will begin with the Jack Adams Award, which goes to the National Hockey League's Coach of the Year. The nominees are Andrew Brunette of the Florida Panthers, Gerard Gallant of the New York Rangers, and Daryl Sutter of the Calgary Flames. Frank, I will let you choose on this one. Unlike the next award we're going to talk about, it's a little bit it's a little bit less subjective. Like Coach of the Year could be obvious. This year, I think there's three really good candidates of guys who are on coaches of teams that you might've had mixed expectations for going into the season. One of them dealt with incredible, you know, courage and um, perseverance to get to where they were. I'll let you go first. Who's your coach of the year out of these three? I don't think you're going to be surprised with my pick. I'm going to go with Andrew Burnett for the Florida Panthers. Um, The reason being, I know he won the president's trophy and, you know, don't always give it to the team that won the president's trophy, that coach, obviously, but he did something special this year. He had 58 wins for 122 points. You know how hard it is to break 120 points in the national hockey league. It's only happened three times in the past 12 seasons. The capitals did it in 2015, 2016, where they got scored 120 points. The lightning did it in 2018, 19, where they scored 128 points, and the Florida Panthers did it this season where they scored 122 points. It's very, very, very hard to do to do what he did and to compile 58 wins. It's very deserving, and he should be awarded for his success that he did. That's my exact answer. I completely agree. It's Andrew Burnett. Quinville was fired. He stepped in, took over a very hard situation, and – the Florida Panthers won the president's trophy. There are certain exceptions to a team winning the president's trophy that the coach deserves to be coach of the year, at least in the conversation like Gerard Gallant and Daryl Sutter, both took teams that weren't in the playoffs last year and got them into the playoffs this year in their first year as head coach of that team. So, or 
I think Sutter took over in the second half of last year with the Flames, but first full year, Gallant, Sutter, outstanding coaches. If I had to choose one of those two, I would choose Sutter just because the Rangers, to me, were a playoff team going into the year. Calgary had to kind of prove it to me, and they did. And for a large part of the season, they looked like those old Daryl Sutter teams that like won cups because they stay back nice defensively and they all chip in offensively, except this time they had a Kachuk and a Goudreau to score all those points. So I think, um, you know, really good job by both of them. But Andrew Burnett's my guy. Florida, they won the President's Trophy in a year where Tampa Bay, Toronto, and Colorado probably had better rosters. But Florida just, they played out of their mind. They dealt with a Barkov injury. He still had a really good year. Um, Huberto won the Hart Trophy, or is a nominee for the Hart Trophy. Um I don't know. He's not a nominee for the Hart Trophy, but he he will be top five. And I don't know. I just really like the way he coached. And the funny thing is, I'm not even certain they're going to bring him back. It's not a lock. He's an interim. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what ends up happening there. I would bring him back. I would vote for him to win. Yeah, you know, it's not always – I would never just give the head coach of the year to whoever wins a president's trophy. It's just he did something magical this year. And it, it should be awarded for his success that he, he gave, you know? I completely agree with you. I am I'm going to present the King Clancy Award. The King Clancy Award goes to the uh, NHL player who best demonstrates leadership and dedication to humanitarian issues in the community. And the three final nominees for the NHL are Ryan Getzlaff of the Anaheim Ducks, Darnell Nurse of the Edmonton Oilers, and P.K. Subban of the New Jersey Devils. Um, Every single team in the NHL nominates a guy, and they come up, they take that list of 32 and narrow it down to three to award the winner at the NHL Awards. If you are in the comment, and I don't say your favorite team's guy, um just write it and I'll tell you, but you know, for the sake of time in this show, I'll read off a couple of important ones of the show. Nick Felino was the nominee for Joey's Boston Bruins. Um, Alexander Barkov was the nominee for the Florida Panthers. I like talking about him a lot. Obviously I don't need to say the New Jersey devils because he is one of the finalists for the award. The Chicago Blackhawks nominee is defenseman Connor Murphy. Um, you know, I know we got some Detroit fans in the chat. I know, uh, I believe Don, he watches every now and then, Alex Nadalkovich, their goaltender for the Detroit Red Wings. Um, the Seattle Kraken, new team in the league, Jaden Schwartz. I know you like the Vegas Golden Knights. That was Max Pacioretty. Um, my other, another team I really enjoy watching, the Minnesota Wild, Matt Dumba. And the Toronto Maple Leafs is Toronto native Wayne Simmons. Frank, of Getzlaff, Nurse, and Subban, do you want a brief description on those three? because I have it in front of you on why they're nominated, if you'd like to hear it. Well, I actually have, for my the person that I chose, I have my reasons on why. I have a whole list of... Okay, so, so go for it. So I'll let you... So I just want to go on the record and say all three are very deserving. Um, I think any one could win it. But me personally, I would choose Ryan Getzlaff. I, um, I've always looked at Getzlaff as a leader. Throughout the NHL, I've watched the NHL many, many years. And when I think of the name, I think of Ryan. I, when I think of leadership, especially for the Anaheim Ducks, I think of Ryan Getzla. Here's why. Not only is it his final season, but he's also helped create the Ducks learn to play program, right? 
And if those of you who aren't familiar with the Learn to Play program, it is a clinic to help first-time hockey players learn the game of hockey and also receive their first set of equipment for free. Over time, over 18,000 kids have taken part in the program, and 9,500 of those kids were granted free equipment from Getzlaff himself. Just put that through your head. He's hand-gifted 9,500 kids' equipment himself as an NHL player, something that he doesn't have to do, but he decides to do because it's something his love. It's something he loves. Not only that, but each and every year, Getzlaff holds the Getzlaff Gold Shootout with him and his wife. They, they, they host it every year, and he's helped raise $4.25 million to help save the lives of children and young adults affected by muscle-wasting disease. This guy just does it on and off the ice. I know there are a bunch of players who, who help the community on and off the ice, but it's just Ryan Getzlaff's just always been special to me when I think of leadership. It's final season. It just feels right if he were to get the King Clancy Award this year. That's a very fair statement. All three of these guys have done similar acts. All 32 nominees, you can go through and read why all 32 of them were nominated by their teams. And each and every one of them deserves to win the award. They're only picking one. So because literally all 32 are equal, in my opinion, I'm just going to be biased and take the guy that plays for my favorite team. You know, he was nominated. Why Why not just take him if if all three are equal? Because they are. You know, Darnell Nurse was amazing. Darnell Nurse, for those who don't know, Frankie read off what Ryan Getzlaff did. Darnell Nurse has been a fixture in the Edmonton community during his time as an oiler, serving as an ambassador for free, free play for kids, which helps marginalized children play sports in a safe and inclusive environment. The initiative also allows children from socially vulnerable schools the chance to attend an Oilers game and meet Nurse after. Nurse also founded the Darnell Nurse Excellence Scholarship in partnership with his former high school, St. Thomas More Catholic Secondary School, to award scholarships, two scholarships per year to deserving students. I'm not picking him just because he's not on the devils. I'm going to pick the devil, but Darnell nurse, who's going to argue with that as an outstanding act of service and dedication to what's going on in the world and all that kind of stuff. So shout out you Darnell nurse. I'm going to just say PK Subban. He plays for the New Jersey devils. I'm a devil's fan. Subban's charitable efforts have been well-documented throughout his NHL career. After founding the PK Subban foundation in 2014, Subban pledged $10 million donation to the Montreal Canadians children's hospital in 2015. While expanding his Blue Line Buddies program this year, helping connect local children in the New Jersey area to law enforcement and frontline workers to foster positive relationships. Guy's incredible. A lot of people get annoyed by his workout videos and he's always, you know, having a good time. We know the real reason people actually don't like PK Subban, but we're not going to go there. Um, It's outstanding what he's done. And I love the guy. He's probably not going to play for the Devils next season unless they throw him like a $1 million contract and he accepts it. But I like this guy. Uh, I'll pick him. But if Nurse or Getzlaff win, it's not like I'm going to argue it. In a way, Darnell Nurse has sounded just as good, if not better, than the Getzlaff and PK one. I, I remember when PK pledged that $10 million in 2014. Paying a hospital $10 million over 10 years is incredible. That's a million a year. Most people don't need, don't donate one dollar a year. So before you make fun of PK Subban for his workout videos, just remember some of this stuff. He's a wonderful human being. Um, 
I like this stuff. I like that they give out the award. It helped maybe, maybe it helps motivate guys to do it more. Even if it's just positive reinforcement, at least good stuff is coming from it. Um, courts interviewed for the head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers. What do you think? Um, I mean, he might go there. I mean, somebody's going to hire him. I think you I do? also heard. Yeah, I do. I really do. I also heard rumors that he could go. Well, obviously the Flyers, the Dallas stars are an option. Um, but I mean, we'll talk about um, the Dallas Stars head coach, uh, or even the Jets. I heard rumors that he he there's a chance he goes to the Jets. I was hoping the Blackhawks could get a veteran head coach. I don't know if it'll be John Tortorella, but you know I wouldn't be opposed to it. I do think somebody's going to take him. Um, might be the Flyers. They might be the favorite. We'll see. Yeah. You brought up the Winnipeg Jets. Barry Trotz interviewed there. He's probably the biggest free agent fish. I think he will be the first head coach to go in terms of prominence. And I think a bunch of stuff will follow up after Trotz's destination is determined. Um, Man, I would love for him to be the head coach of the New Jersey Devils, Barry Trotz, because he would get everyone to play defense. And he would allow Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, Jesper Bratt, free reign to go offensively, as you saw with guys like Matt Barzell and Alexander Ovechkin. You know, when he was with Washington, Kuznetsov was probably the best he ever played under Barry Trotz. So I like that guy. I can't wait to see him back in the league. Torts, I don't know if he's a good fit for the Devils. I think he'd be a good fit for a couple other teams. A rebuilding team like the Chicago Blackhawks, I'm not sure. I actually, I like Jim Montgomery for the Hawks. He helped. I would rebuild. take, I would take um, Trotz. I would. I think he'd fit in with a lot of the veterans on the team. I yeah, I do. I just don't think that – I think Trotz is a good coach for them three years from now. Maybe. I know we, we kind of have differing opinions on the Hawks' direction over the next year or two. I would implode it all and start to rebuild, and you could be good in three years. You know, we've seen it with the Rangers and with the Kings, and, you know, go go try and get either Mitchkov or uh, – Bedard next year. Like I legitimately think those are real life things that need to happen. You know, Taves and Kane aren't going to be making $10 million each against the cap after next year if they don't get traded now. But I think even if they did trade it now, they would have to retain. So it's not like the cap is going to be perfect. I'm just not sure that's a current, a situation for current Barry Trotz, but man, I would love to be able to just go to the United center and see a Barry Trotz coach team every night. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So I'm with you on that. Um, the Pens gave an extension to Brian Rust. Five years, $30 million, 5.1 average annual value. It's a fair contract to me. He scores lots of goals. He's tough. He's mean. He fits in well with Evgeny Malkin. If they bring him back, we'll get to that in a minute. But he can also, he's proven he can play with Sidney Crosby. Brian Rust is a really good player. He started off as just kind of like a third line, like tough guy. Now he's like a top six winger who can bring physicality, score, all sorts of good stuff for the Pittsburgh Penguins winger. I'm happy he got this extension. I think it's a well-earned contract. What do you think? I think it's fair. 5.125 million per year uh, for a point per game player. Very good deal. I think so. I think he's getting paid very fairly. Um, he had, he played in 60 games this year, 24 goals, 34 assists, 58 points, not quite point per game, close enough. In the postseason, seven games played, he had eight points, two goals, six assists. For $5 million, so what about a $5 million player would make, I think? I don't – they're not overpaying him. I don't think they're really underpaying him either, but he is a key part to this Penguins franchise. Um, 
yeah, I mean, I like it. Six years. I mean, we know the pieces that the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins have, and having Rust in the mix is always going to make them more deadly. So, yeah, Brian Rust is a Penguin for at least six more years. Um, unless something happens, but yeah. I don't know. I, I like, like it. I agree. I like good faith contract negotiations. You don't see it too much in any walk of life really anymore. Um, Brian Rust probably would get six or seven on the open market. I really believe that. I mean, almost point per game. It's amazing how like an extra three points this season, maybe if he hit the post three left less times and that went in instead, then he'd be like actually point per game mathematically. And people would consider him like just a better player, even though he basically is a point per game player now. Um, I, like I said, I think he would have got a little more on the open market. He takes the pay cut to stay with Pittsburgh. I think that's smart on both sides. Um, he said after the New York Rangers eliminated them that he just wants to be compensated fairly. He's not looking to take money out of anybody else's pockets. He's not looking to, you know, make the team get in cap hell over an extra million dollars or so. Because if you could pay that extra million dollars to a really good fourth liner, that could be the difference between winning the Stanley Cup or not. You've seen it with teams like Tampa Bay in the last couple years. You know, they were able to pay a guy, you know, make a trade for a guy like Blake Coleman or some someone who was cheap at the time, not cheap anymore. But you get what Russ was trying to do there, and I think it's smart. I brought up Evgeny Malkin. Him and Chris Letang are both unrestricted free agents at the end of this season. They could go anywhere in the world right now. The the ball's in their court. Evgeny Malkin and Christopher Letang. They were offered each five million by the Pittsburgh Penguins earlier. Um, they both kind of laughed at it, and apparently it pissed off Sidney Crosby hearing that. Um, I actually don't think it's that unfair. I know Evgeny Malkin was making nine, so a four million dollar pay cut for a point per game player. Still, it seems like a lot. It, it's the age for me. Excuse me for people who are hearing noise. That scared the crap out of me. And is your phone on too? I turned I turned it off. My phone is on silent at all times. But during the show, I don't expect to hear noises from my phone at all. But you did just now because of me, because of a tornado warning affecting this area. So if you live in the northwest suburbs of Chicago, be on alert. I'm supposed to be going to the White Sox game in an hour. I don't know if that's going to be happening, but stay safe out there, everyone. Um, do you think it's crazy, the the Malkin Latang thing? Like, what's going on there? I mean, yeah, I mean, more, a little more than $5 million is probably fair. I mean, if Rust is making $5.125 million, I mean, are you really going to pay Malkin and Latang less than that? I wouldn't. That's just me. I mean, GM Ron Hexall did say in a perfect world, Malkin and Latang would stay for the rest of their careers. But obviously, a perfect world doesn't always exist. The salary cap may have other things to say. The Penguins haven't made it out of the first round since 2018. It would definitely be weird seeing them on different teams. But if they're not willing to take a pay cut and they want money over potential Stanley Cup, then maybe it's time to let them go. That's fair. I would do everything in my power to bring both of them back. Um the Penguins Cup window still is open, in my opinion. I believe they would have beaten the New York Rangers had Jari been healthy. And if they get Marc-Andre Fleury back, which I think is also very much on the table, you got to bring the band back together for one more. If you're bringing in next year Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Rust, Gensel, and Fleury, 
you fit in the pieces around it. They have Kasperi Kapanen and John Marino and, you know, a couple other depth pieces lower in their lineup. I think Sherry is still there with Pittsburgh. He probably will be back again. Um, that could be one of the contenders in the East again. So I would try everything in my power to run it back because guess what? As we're seeing with the Hawks, players like that do not come around often. You came second in the draft lottery in 2004, and you got Evgeny Malkin, who didn't score as many goals as Alexander Ovechkin, who went one pick ahead of him. There were lots of periods of time, though, where Malkin was a better player than Ovechkin. Overall, career-wise, I'd probably take Ovechkin. But Malkin for a, Malkin's best five years are better than Ovechkin's best five years. I do stand by that statement. And then you won the draft lottery when all 30 teams had an equal chance in 2005 after the lockout canceled the whole year. Isn't that crazy? All 30 mm-hmm. teams had the exact same chance, and Pittsburgh won it. A lot of people think it was rigged because they were that bad and out of you know a point of possibly moving out of Pittsburgh, and Crosby saved them much like Mario did 15 years before that. But, you know, got to run it back if you're Pittsburgh. Um, speaking of all this contract talk, Mark Giordano, contract extension, two years, $1.6 million. Um, it's 800000 salary cap hit for each of the next two years. He's an older defenseman. He did kind of, He's kind of a late bloomer, so I don't really understand people bringing up his age because it's not like he was this dominant defenseman in his early 20s. Late blooming defenseman, won the Norris Trophy in his mid-30s, lots of. Lots of experience, hasn't won a Stanley Cup. I think the Leafs have to run it back again next year. I know a lot of people aren't going to want to hear that, but they have to run it back next year with this core. They just have to. And I believe I believe they can beat anybody. It's just a matter of will they. I like this contract for Giordano, though. I think it's a steal for the Maple Leafs. I mean, yeah, Giordano is not what he used to be. I mean, he played 75 games, 8 goals, 27 assists, 35 points, not too shabby for a 38-year-old defenseman, but at $800,000, you get his veteran um, his veteran mindset. He's going to put the puck in the net. I mean, I'll take eight goals from a defenseman. It's obviously not the cream of the crop. I'll take 27 assists for an $800,000 player. I think the Leafs are – it's an absolute swindle. He has taken the hometown discount, and he is from Toronto. Um, I like it. I like the contract. I think it's a great contract that the Leafs provided. Um and yeah, like you said, I I think if they run it back, gotta include Giordano. I I to me he that veteran mindset makes a huge difference. Trust me, uh, veteran being a veteran in the NHL makes a huge difference, especially when you make it to the postseason. Uh, I love the contract. There you go. You brought up Dallas. They fired Rick Bonus as their head coach. Well, I'm mutually parting of ways. What do you think? You know, he said he wanted to leave the organization because they wanted. So the he, let me restart. He wanted he left the head coach head coach position in Dallas, so that the organization could move in a different coaching direction. Um, I don't know if they forced him out. It was a little strange. He had a lot of success with the Dallas Stars in 176 coaching games with Dallas, 89, 62, and 25. That includes a Stanley Cup final appearance in 2012, or 2010, not 2012. Um, there's a lot of different routes that the stars could take here. It just feels like, why would he leave? They, they were having pretty good success with him there. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's the same reason why the Hawks let go of Quinville. They wanted to go in a different direction, but it just seems a little weird to me. Yeah, it is weird. Dallas is an interesting team. They have 
a really good core, except for the fact that they pay their two highest paid contracts are a third line winger and a fourth line center now. And I'm not sure Sagan and Ben would be of that ilk on another team, but they are on Dallas. And I'm not sure what the future is for that team. They're probably the hardest team to understand right now. Mm-hmm. But he's out. They're looking for someone new. I also wonder if he's out just based on the options available. Like maybe, that time, maybe like that, Trotz will go there. Yeah, that's what or I'm saying. I mean, how often does a Barry Trotz become available? Right. How often do you have, you know, maybe they try to bring back Jim Montgomery. They didn't want to fire him. Yeah. They let him go because he had to check himself into AA. He wasn't a bad dude. He was an awesome coach. He needed to get healthy again. And yes, that's a disease. He needed to get healthy again. He's healthy now. He's on the St. Louis Blues bench as an assistant coach and has been since 2020. I think uh, it's an interesting thing. It is interesting. I was a little shocked by it. We'll see what direction they go in. Like I said, there's a lot of different routes that they could take. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's torts or trots. Um, we'll see what happens. Are we going to die right now? I don't hear anything. That's just by you. <laughs> yeah, and apparently it's sunny at guaranteed rate field. So I don't know what I'm doing tonight. I'm yeah, I- me personally, I don't think they're gonna play. It's supposed to storm at like three, like now. Yeah. Well, if I die doing the show, I die doing something I'm very happy with. What's your yeah. favorite hockey story of the week? This is gonna be interesting. You're not gonna expect you. You could have a million years and you would never guess this. My favorite hockey story this week. Because nothing really caught my eye, and then I was scrolling through, you know, social media, and I came across an article. I read it. It's very interesting. Um, have you ever heard of Chloe Primorano? I have not. Okay, well, she has officially become the first woman skater to be drafted to the WHL. She was selected 268th overall by the Vancouver Giants. Interestingly enough, she's only 15 years old, um, and she's historically becomes the first woman skater to be drafted in the CHL, um, in the CHL as a whole. If she plays, she'll become the first player since goaltender Shannon Zabados in 2002 to play in the WHL, but the first skater to ever play in any CHL league. I thought that was pretty spectacular. We talk a lot about hockey's for everyone. I believe it's also for women too. Breaking the barrier for women being the first drafted to the WHL, first woman skater drafted to the WHL. I think it's pretty spectacular, especially at only 15 years old. Now, will she play? I don't know. She's only 15 years old, so she wouldn't play for a few years, I would guess. But uh, I thought it was a very interesting hockey story. That's outstanding. I couldn't agree more. That's a great story. I'm very impressed to hear it from you. Um, Kudos to you. That's an outstanding story. I'm happy you brought that up. A lot of people probably would have had that go under the radar had they not um, heard that from you. So my favorite hockey story, huh? I said in 15 years old, that's pretty spectacular. Yeah. There are NHL players who don't get drafted at 15. So. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll see her playing. What country did you say she's from? Is she from Canada or the United States? I don't know where she's from, but she was selected by Vancouver. Doesn't mean she's from Vancouver. No. Based on Chloe Primorano, it's either American. It might be American. Maybe Canada. It's not yeah. like a Russian last name. or. That's fair. Um. 
well, maybe she'll play in the Olympics, and we'll remember that time you brought her up when she was 15 years old, when she yep. scored a big goal for uh, whatever country she's from, Canada or the United States. I like both of those teams. I like both of those cultures. Um, my favorite story right now, everybody knows, everybody knows I'm a diehard New Jersey Devils fan. I'm obsessed with this team. I love them very much. I have for a very long time. Um, they mean a lot to me. Their captain, Nico Heischer, has been the best player at the IIHF World Championships. The Swiss went 7-0 and wow. in group play. And they beat Canada. And they play the U.S. in an elimination game next. It, 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 th- there's a lot of pressure because if like they lost to Team USA, a team with st- both Jones brothers, and you know there are good players on that Team USA. If they lost, I wouldn't be too shocked. But like to go seven and zero with some of the wins that they've had and just lot lose in that game would absolutely suck. But Nico Heischer has just been so good over point per game, scoring big goals, a shootout goal to seal the win in that seventh game. If they were to win the gold medal, he would be the tournament MVP, methinks. And Joey and I have gotten into various arguments over where the Swiss stand Mm -hmm. in terms of world hockey prowess. Of course, there's the big five. There is the United States, Canada, Russia, Sweden, and Finland. Those are the big five in Canadian ice hockey. Then you start getting into the secondary countries, the teams that are always pretty good. Every now and then they win. Slovakia, the Czech Republic, Germany is in that mix now. Thank you, Leon Dreisaitl. The Olympics were outstanding. Um, the German team's outstanding every year now. Um, the Swiss are in that mix now. And not only are the Swiss in that mix now, I think they're the best of the teams in, in B tier right now. And I think there's going to come a point where they can play with the likes of Team USA and Canada and all that. They might not be able to beat them in the Olympics because Team Canada can make two teams in the Olympics that would win the gold. And the U.S. is getting there too. You know, if if Team USA is running out as their top centers in 2024 or whatever year has the next Winter Olympics with NHL players, hopefully COVID is not impacting that too much. If you're running out your top centers of – Matthews, Eichel, uh, Hughes, and then you have Quinn Hughes on defense and both Kachuk brothers on the team, and Patrick Kane might still be prominent. We'll see by 2024. That might be pushing it. But, you know, I want the Swiss in that mix. So hearing Heeshear and the Swiss have that good of success, that is my hockey story of the week. I hope they end up going very, very far. I'm Am I rooting for them against Team USA? I want Nico to do good. I want the New Jersey Devils to succeed first and foremost. So go Nico. Everybody watch that tournament too. If you ever catch it on, it's good hockey. It's not best on best like the Olympics. But that Swiss team is really good. And they don't have Roman Yossi. You know, they're missing their best player, the Swiss. Yeah. T-shirt's their second best player. But Timo Meyer's really good. Pia Suter's really good. I saw some clips. Yeah, these guys are scoring some goals. I've been posting all Heesher's goals on Twitter and writing about it. And you could check out all those articles at pucksandpitchforks.com. You could check out all the Blackhawks stories going on at thewindycity.com, of course, covering baseball at Southside Showdown as well. Frankie's doing all the video games at App Trigger. And 
we're running the fan-sided network in terms of those two corners. So it's been a lot of fun. We are going to take this show into a non-really hockey direction and just talk about some bullshit in period number three. Welcome to period three, where our goal is to just have fun. Frankie, like fun? I love fun. F is for fun, who do stuff together. F is also for Frankie. Yeah, you messed that up a little bit. No, I did that on purpose. Oh. I wanted two straight Fs. Oh. Fun okay. and Frankie. They go together like peanut butter and cheese. Fun and Frankie. I love um, it. Yeah. Um, so I need a basketball update from you right now. I got a lot of good stuff. I got a, I'll give you some updates on the series. I survived the tornado. One-time tornado survivor VP. So lay all the basketball knowledge on me right now. And then I want to get into something with the Bulls rumors that came out today. Um, first of all, we'll, I'll start off with the Celtics Heat series. It's tied 2-2. Um, originally, I thought maybe the Heats would overpower the Celtics. I mean, I think the Celtics are just doing this in spite of me. Um, because I didn't get the Celtics enough credit going into the playoffs. However, the Heat are dealing with lots of injuries. Um, I think the Celtics are the more likely team to advance. They are the favorite tonight on the road because of Heat injuries. Um, That right there is just a big mental factor. I mean, people should take in. Um, If you look at the previous games, Heat were always decent favorites at home against the Celtics. We're talking five, six points, but now they're in a a two-and-a-half underdog on the road. Um, I think the Celtics do end up winning this series, especially if they win tonight. They're going to come home and close it out in six. On the other side of the the conferences, you got the Warriors and Mavericks. Warriors led 3-0. Mavericks bounced back in a huge way yesterday. They were up 29 and ended up winning the game by 10 points. Um, the Warriors now lead 3-1. If the Mavericks come back down 3-0 and make history, we've seen NHL teams come down be down 3-0 and win a series. We've seen baseball teams be down 3-0, win a series. In the NBA, there's been 146 teams that have gone down 3-0. 14 of those 146 teams have forced a game six. Three of those 146 teams have forced a game seven, but no team in NBA history has ever won a series after trailing um, 3-0. I would love to see the Mavs come back and win. I love a good underdog story. I love Luka Doncic. I think he is one of the best players in the league right now. Um, I wholeheartedly believe that. Um, he, he, people are slowly referring him, referring to him as Curry. He's not a Curry, but, I mean, when you're in, even in the same conversation as Steph Curry, Giannis, I mean, this kid's special, and the Mavericks have a special team. Might not be their year this year. They're missing a few pieces. But trust me, Luka Doncic is going to be a name you hear for a very, very long time. I would love for them to come back. Um, it, it would be it would be very special to watch. And even if they win in force, if they win game uh, five and force game six, that would even be history. They'd be the only the 15th team ever to be to force a game six after being down 3-0. Interesting news going on with the Bulls today. I don't know if you've heard anything on social media. There are rumors that Zach Levine could be out of here for the Bulls. That would just be a travesty. After I think that the Bulls are finally getting their shit together and they're just missing a few pieces or you're just going to throw away Zach Levine like that, there are rumors that he could potentially go to the um, Atlanta Hawks. I don't know how I feel about that. I think that would just be a waste for the Bulls. Uh, I know Skox, who's a 
regular watcher of the show, he, he made some comments on uh, Twitter referring to that. If the Bulls were to offer him, the Bulls could offer him five years and a max deal of $212.3 million. If he goes anywhere else, he's only going to get four years at $157.4 million. I think if the Bulls offer that max contract, he stays. Anything less, they might say, see you later. I'd hate for him to see it. I'd hate to see him go, to be honest with you. Um, but it, it might happen. I just think they'd be idiots to let him go after what I think they're finally getting their shit together, and then they're just going to blow it. I have a take. Go ahead. There's a much better way to use $220 million than on Zach Levine. But who do they get? I don't know. I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. But I have. I am of the opinion that this guy gets hurt all the time, every year, every year, no matter what. He's always getting hurt. He's a clear number two on a team. I don't think he deserves a max contract. And I think there are ways to get guys. Arturis Karnaschovas has been outstanding in Europe. You saw what he did for Denver. Oh, yeah. I mean, if they lose Zach Levine, it is not the end of the world. It is not. A lot of people are going to be upset about it. A lot of people are going to be upset about it because of name recognition and what he has done when he has been healthy. But we're not – this isn't Derrick Rose. You know, this isn't Giannis Antetokounmpo or Anthony Davis in his prime or any of these guys. This is Zach Levine a really good number two on a good team, maybe even a number three. He just, he's not, we thought when the Bulls were the number one seed in early February and they looked like a contender, we were like, if DeRozan and Levine can be that like high power scoring one, two punch like they have in Boston, this Bulls team can contend. And then Levine's always hurt. They're worried about this knee of his and it's the knee, right? I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think there's a lot. There's 200 million smarter ways to spend $200 million if you're the Chicago Bulls. And that's just my take on it. I, mean, I, I don't like know. Team, but I don't know what the rumors are, like who they would get if you went to the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, I would take Trey Young over Zach Levine, but the Atlanta Hawks would never trade straight up one for one. Just wouldn't happen. Um, Trey Young's way better than Zach Levine. Um, so that's something that wouldn't happen. If for some reason it did happen, obviously that'd be a huge steal for the Bulls. I just, if you get rid of them, would, I don't, I can't, I don't know the direction that the Bulls would go in to spend this 200 million. I don't know who's out there who would be willing to come to Chicago and try to win a championship, which that's the only reason why it worries me because I do think that the Bulls are only a couple pieces away from winning an NBA championship. I mean, it was a step in the right direction making the playoffs this year. Now you get rid of Zach Levine, and you you kind of have a setback, especially if you don't have a plan in place to replace him or pieces to replace him. Uh, that's the only thing that worries me. The Bulls are a super-duper star away from winning an NBA title. I think if you subtract Zach Levine, add that super-duper star, like, it would have to be in free agency, I would think, because you don't just draft one of those guys all the time. And then you have DeRozan, Lonzo Ball, as like your starters around him. Of course, Alex Caruso, um, somebody off the bench like that. Io DeSumo is amazing. Uh, Kobe White is probably a trade chip at this point, but they have Patrick Williams. There are lots of guys on this team that can help be a supporting cast if they were to get like that guy. I don't think Zach Levine is that guy. That's why I don't think he deserves the max. It's fair. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I kind of agree with you, too. I'm really on the fence. 
It can go either way. Yeah. So I have a little bit of a baseball update. The Chicago White Sox are going to play the Boston Red Sox tonight and tomorrow. Then they have the Crosstown Classic with the Chicago Cubs this weekend at Guaranteed Rate Field. I highly encourage everybody to watch both of these teams, even when things aren't going well. You know, things are going okay for the White Sox. A tough loss yesterday, but, you know, taking that sweep of the doubleheader against the New York Yankees on Sunday, there's a lot more that can be of this White Sox team. The Cubs just kind of are what they are, but they have nice pieces to watch. A little hint, hint that uh, prospect of theirs, now I'm blanking on his name, he's probably going to start on Monday in their doubleheader. So that's very exciting news. Um, Adley Rushman, the number one prospect in baseball, catcher, Baltimore Orioles, number one overall pick a couple years ago. He made his MLB debut last week, and he turned the Baltimore Orioles into an absolute delight to watch. Um, lately, they're not like last year's Mariners. I think I texted this to you. They're not like last year's Mariners. Last year's Mariners were a fun team and a good team. Right now, I think the Baltimore Orioles are just a fun team. And they're going to win some games. They're going to beat teams like the Yankees. They beat the Yankees on Monday, and then they lost in 11 innings yesterday, putting together some nice some nice games here, even if they don't win. And they're fun to watch. Rushman's good. I like Trey Mancini. Um, there's a couple good players on that team. So my baseball update is to watch the Orioles a little bit more. My guest tomorrow on Crosstown Crosstalk is going to be a very Orioles centric guest. I think it might just be audio. I'm not sure if it's going to, we're going to be able to get them for the video, but you know, even just talking to, uh, Orioles expert is something I've wanted to do for a while now. They're one of the teams I have talked about the least on Crosstown Crosstalk just because for the entire show's life. They haven't been the greatest, and now it's time to give them some love. So we'll be talking uh, Orioles baseball tomorrow on Crosstown Crosstalk in addition to uh, all the happenings around the Chicago teams as well in a little bit more detail. Frank, the time has come. Obi-Wan trailer Friday. Pumped. Saw a clip on Twitter yesterday from Lights, Camera, Barstool. 30-second clip of a conversation between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Owen Lars. Those who don't who watch Star Wars but might not recognize the name Owen Lars, that's Luke's uncle. It is just unbelievable how excited I am for this show. I can't wait for Friday. I think this is going to be this might be better than The Mandalorian. And I honestly, I don't know. I have high hopes. I'm a big Obi-Wan Kenobi fan. Um I mean, he's just he plays such a good there you been what you were just talking about was on the screen. He just plays such a good role. I love Ewan McGregor. Um and, and just the fact that it takes place in the time of Darth Vader and, you know, L- young Luke. And it's a great time period. And Joey filled me in. I forgot the names of those guys with the lightsabers, with the circle. Do you remember? What is it called? It's like, not the council. It's there's Wait, seven of them. Say, say it one more time. With the, with the lightsaber, with the round, and it could be double-sided. Joey's um, trying to explain it to us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, what are they called? I don't have a name for it, but there's like seven of them or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, That sounded really, Oh, there was one right there. The lightsaber was on his back. Apparently these guys, they're going to fill us in. They're really interesting from what I've heard. I'm really excited for the show. I can't wait. Definitely be watching it. Two episodes on Friday. Do you think Darth Maul will be in it? Mm. Joey's a hard yes. I don't think so. You know, I kind of do. Only because of how confident Joey is. I and, thought a report came out saying like he wouldn't be in it. Like originally, uh, he, he planned. 
no, originally they were planned to have them in there. I yeah. think if, but if they were saving it for a surprise, they wouldn't say originally we had him planned to be in there, but now he's not. I think yeah. they would just be like, I don't know. After watching Boba Fett, I don't believe Star Wars reports anymore because everything they say is wrong. And kind of same thing with Doctor Strange too, in a way. So I mean, we're gonna see Darth Vader. Yes. Yes. That's a guarantee. Absolutely. But yes, that has been one million percent confirmed. Uh, did you watch the Thor trailer? I did. What do you think? Very goofy. But isn't all Thor movies really goofy? I mean, that's the character Thor. Yeah, he's so, a funny guy. Um, yeah, I mean, it was really goofy. I'm looking forward to it. I love Thor. He's probably my favorite superhero, honestly. I like the whole lightning, God of Thunder. You know, we saw the Guardians. We saw Gamora. Or no, not Gamora. Nebula. And um, somebody Groot? else. No. Was it Groot? Groot was, Groot, was, Groot was just in that shot. All of them were. Drax. Yeah, oh, Drax, yeah. There was somebody next to Nebula. You'll see uh, in a few minutes or a few moments here. Um, I thought, yeah, we saw, um, what's his name? Christian Bale. Christian Bale. He plays, he plays Gore the God Butcher. He seems awesome. That character seems awesome. Uh, yeah. With the name of Gore the God Butcher. I mean, that just gets me pumped on itself. He's got a very eerie, scary-looking character, which I love that. Natalie Portman, as you can see, she's back to reprise her role in the Thor series. Jane, it seems like um, Valkyrie and Jane are going to have a little, it's like Valkyrie's a little jealous that Jane's back in the picture. That's what I got from the trailer. Angry girl. This guy, though, look at him. He just looks so incredible. They did a good job of Christian Bale, for sure. And, which I thought it was cool because I love all the, I think they're Norse gods. Not Greek gods, Norse gods, Greek gods, whatever kind of gods they are. I think Norse gods is mythical gods. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Zeus was in the trailer, which was pretty cool. Yeah. I love me a good Zeus. So I'm really excited for it. I'm looking forward. Obviously, it's a night one. I can't wait. And as uh, the trailer says, in gods we trust. I echo all of Frankie's sentiments. I can't wait to see this movie. I don't have much more to say other than I'm so excited. I love Thor. It's a, It's probably... Dylan called it a sequel to Ragnarok. I think it's a sequel to Avengers Endgame. But it's fair. Yeah. You might be right because we're picking up where Thor left off. At yeah. The end. I mean, no spoilers, but you know, remember when they get in the ship at the end, like who yeah. was with him and whatnot. It without Endgame, Thor Love and Thunder would make no sense. And I think so. definitely it's taking place right around that time period. Like Endgame had to just end. Yeah. I agree. Well, within a year, maybe they've been, you know, in space for a year, but it's very, very, very close. Yeah. Closer than Ragnarok, I think. Yes. It's probably about as close as it probably even closer than Spider Man No Way Home. Yeah. Because No Way Home was pretty close after. But I no, think, yeah. actually wrong. Far from home was right after. So oh, yeah. Yeah, with the sna- or the yeah. whatever it is. What is it? The blip. The yep, the blip. So, what are you watching this weekend? Sports and non-sports. I'll start off with sports. I'm going to see who makes it to the NHL conference finals and who makes it to the NBA finals. And of course, you know, I always throw some baseball in there as well. Still haven't seen the USFL game. It's just I don't know when they're on. They're not on the ESPN app. I don't know how to keep track of them. There was one on at Beatups yesterday on a TV. I know. And it was just weird on a Tuesday yeah. at night. I was like, I don't, I don't know how to keep track of them because then I see them on Tuesday. 
which is not normal for football unless you're really in college. There's a couple Mac games sometime. And then I see, him on, I see them on Saturday nights, this USFL. I, I don't know when to catch them. They're not on the ESPN app. I don't know if there's an app. So I really have no idea how to watch it. But I want to watch it. I do want to watch one of their games to see how the rules are. I love sports. Any type of sports. As far as non-sports go, Survivor finales tonight. We have this season 42 Survivor finale. Three hours. <laughs> It is. We are in for one hell of a ride. I cannot wait. I look forward to this day. Made a tweet about it. Um, I love Survivor. All those types of reality shows. <coughs> Obviously, Friday, I'll be watching Obi-Wan. Two episodes. Also Friday. Something that is right up there with Obi-Wan for me. Stranger Things Season 4 comes out. It is the first volume. They're releasing it in two volumes. The first volume will consist of seven episodes, and volume two will only consist of two episodes that will be released, I believe, around July 1st. I am super pumped for that. It's one of my favorite Netflix shows, and going up there is one of my favorite shows of all time. A lot of good stuff coming out this week in the movie, not movie, in the just the general TV shows and Netflix and all these streaming services. There's a lot of good stuff going out, coming out this week. I encourage everybody to watch something new. You know, dabble with something you're not used to dabbling with, and you never know what you're going to get. Couldn't agree more. For me, I'll be watching a lot of the Stanley Cup playoffs, obviously, seeing the finish of the Colorado versus St. Louis Blues series, the Edmonton, the Battle of Alberta, I guess I could call it. And then, of course, the New York Rangers versus the Carolina Hurricanes. Very excited about that. Um, I'll be checking in on NBC Sports Chicago a lot with David Kaplan to see what's going on with Chicago Bears. Um Lots of high praise for Justin Fields from guys like Lucas Patrick, who knows a thing or two about playing with elite NFL quarterbacks as he blocked for Aaron Rodgers his whole career. Sounds like Matt Eberflus is all in on a couple of the players that the Bears drafted in the first round on the defensive side of the ball. I still think the Bears are going to suck, like really, really bad. But I'm excited to hear about some of these individuals performing at a high level, at least so far. I know it's only May, but you'd rather them be – promising in may than not and then you get to august and they start to look like they're trash i think you know it's better than the alternative even though it doesn't mean quite as much as it would if they had a good rookie year so getting getting real amped for football i've been watching pat mcafee a lot they talk about the nfl every single day um it's it's a lot of fun to watch and i'm i'm excited about football it's crazy i'm i'm always missing the sport that's not on when i have two of my favorite ones right in my hands yeah you know when it's football hockey season i can't stop thinking about baseball when it's baseball hockey season i can't stop thinking about uh uh football in the dead middle of summer when there's just baseball i'll be missing both hockey and football it's like i'm just never satisfied the only month that i'm truly happy in terms of sports is october because literally all, i'm not missing any of them so, shout out October. Love you. Non-sports Obi-Wan Kenobi. Today's the 45-year anniversary of Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope coming out as well. I might try to watch that at some point today. I think it'd be kind of cool to watch Episode Four, 45 days, 45 years to the day after it came out and started one of the most successful movie franchises in the history of mankind. Cool. So, that's where I'm at. Um, I know there's a lot of sports this weekend that we're going to be wagering on. I know there are a lot of degenerate gamblers out there. 
ready to just throw all their money down the drain or not, depending on how Frankie does this week. And we are going to be do that in America's favorite podcast segment of the week, Breaking Bets. Welcome to Breaking Bets, brought to you by Bar Down Talking Hockey of the Barroom Network. I'm Vinny. This is Frankie. Frank, take it away, my man. I'll start with the NHL because there's well, there's only one game on tonight. There's nothing I really liked. I didn't like any of the over-unders. If I had to touch an over-under, I guess I'd go over, but you don't have to. Why even mess around with it? Obviously, I think the Colorado Avalanche are going to win, but I'm not taking them at minus 260. Right? They're right there. There's no value. There's really nothing that I really enjoyed. And then I came across something that I kind of like. Um, I like the Blues to score the first goal of the game at plus 135. I talk about how Colorado loves playing from behind. Yeah, the Blues are going to score first, and Colorado is going to score five after that. So I wouldn't be surprised. Plus 135, it was the best value I could find in the hockey world today. Um, so, yeah, Blues to score the first goal at plus 135. Then we'll go over to the MLB. This is just crazy that the Chicago Cubs are plus 133 against the Cincinnati Reds. I know Castillo's on the mound for the Reds, but Hendricks is going for the Cubs. I just, I would never take the Reds ever at a medium sized minus. They're probably the worst team in the league. Just not now, my, uh, I hear my uh, tornado sirens going off. Really? The sun's out here now. The sun's out here peeking through the window, but I don't know. That's weird. But anyway, yeah, the Cubs at plus 133 with Hendricks on the line. I will take my chances against Castillo and the Reds. Um, after, Especially after what we saw last night, Castillo's no day at the beach. You look at his ERA and even dating back to last year. I mean, when he first came in the league, they're like, all right, this guy's pretty damn good. But he's just not been the Castillo that the Reds were hoping for lately. Um so, yeah, Cubs plus 133, tremendous value to go along with the Blues' first goal. Um, both are really good value. And in the NBA, I like the Celtics' money line at minus 140. I think there's great value there. Heat are dealing with injuries. There's a reason that the Heat aren't the favorite at home in a playoff game. That right there should tell you a lot. Um, if you were watching earlier, you kind of alluded that that might be one of my picks based on what I said during my basketball segment. But, yeah, minus 140, great. Great value for the Celtics. I think they win and close it out in game six. So that's what I got for you. Do you have a Celtics versus Warriors NBA final? Yeah, I think so. I think the Warriors are going to win the NBA championship. So do I. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> that team, man. They were but, hurt for a couple years. Got a high draft pick. If this is the year for history, though, and the Mavericks – do something remarkable, and they somehow win. I don't see how they could do it, not with the team they have this year. But if they could somehow make history and come back, they're going to win the NBA championship. They were down 2-0 to the Suns and won, and then you're telling me they're down 3-0 to the Warriors and come back and win, and you're now in the NBA championship, then they're going to win. It's just not going to happen. I don't see them winning three straight against the Warriors. Or four straight, actually, three now. But, yeah, I don't see it happening. I think the Warriors are going to win the NBA championship this year. Absolutely. Um, that's our show. Before we get out of here, I did want to touch on something that has just kind of taken over America in the last 24 hours. 
Of course, I'm talking about the poor children of Robb Elementary School who all lost their lives and a teacher, two teachers now as well that were gunned down by a monster who entered their school with assault rifles and, you know, mowed them all down. Not cool. One of the bigger tragedies to happen in the United States in a long time. And the problem is this is only the third shooting of the week, like well known on the news. The second biggest one, or probably the biggest one, obviously the Buffalo one was huge as well. We talked about Buffalo on last week's show. We shouldn't be talking about a shooting a week, but we are. And it's just honestly so sad. Um, The kid who shot up the school went and bought his two assault rifles on his 18th birthday two weeks ago. And he was allowed to, without any background check or anything, just buy two AR-15s and 30 magazines worth of the best bullets you can get. Um, AR-15s are designed for one thing and one thing only. It's to kill people. And I don't understand at all why just a random civilian is able to go to the store and buy them at any time they want. I understand the Second Amendment. I understand the difference between an assault rifle and a handgun. I'm not necessarily, you know, people can die from that kind of stuff too, but an assault rifle? What the fuck do you need an assault rifle for? Mm-hmm. That makes no sense. You don't take assault rifles hunting. You don't, you know, take them to the range. Like, it just makes no sense to me. And even if you do do that stuff and, like, you need, give up your right to save children. How about that? It's an easy right to give up to save classrooms of children at a time. I'd give it up. I don't hate guns. I like playing Call of Duty. I like going to the shooting range. I would give it up in an instant to save another classroom from getting blown to hell. These families had to get their DNA swapped so they can identify their children because they were that mangled from the guns. And I'm getting kind of gross and detailed with it. Thoughts and prayers aren't working for me anymore. They're not. Thoughts and prayers worked 15 years ago. They shouldn't have worked back then, but that's the harsh reality of it. I have no thoughts. I have no prayers. I want action. And I'm going to be vocal about it. I have a platform. I'm going to use it. I have a large following. I have a large following on Twitter now. This is bullshit. When I and, heard, go ahead. Well, when I heard the news, it just it, it made me sick to my stomach because, especially, I think about you know my nieces and nephews and then them going to school, and I, I just couldn't imagine a life without them. Um, it just it's just sickening that that somebody would do that. I mean, this this guy is just a complete idiot, no brain. I don't know why, what went through his head. Um, I don't want you to lose your thought, though, so I want you to finish. No, I mean, my thought is equally the same. Your nieces and nephews are my little cousins. And the fact that, you know, your sister, our other cousins with children that are our generation, just a couple years older than us, that's our future, is having children. I think, you know, that I'm comfortable saying both you and I want kids. Hard to want them now, knowing you can't send them to school, knowing that, Joe Schmo could be having a bad day, hit the grocery store, buy an AR-15 and go mow down an entire classroom. It just makes no sense to me. You care about the Second Amendment that much? The people who put the Second Amendment in place are rolling in their graves knowing what's going on right now. And I'm not, like I said, I haven't been anti-gun my, like my whole life. I'm seeing that we can't deal with it. We're not smart enough. Sorry, America's got to be better. It has the potential to be the best place in the world to live. It's not right now. It's not. If if you and anybody else who haven't gotten a scene 
the video from the conference of Steve Kerr. Did you watch it for the Mavericks? Yeah, oh, yeah. I saw it. It was very, very powerful. Yep. And his dad was mowed down by gun violence in the early 80s. Not a right. lot of people know that. Um, very, very powerful message. Good to see from somebody with that type of platform as well, from one of the best coaches of all time in the NBA. Um, yeah, if you haven't seen it, I encourage you to watch it. Very powerful words. Um, he got very emotional. And um, ironically, the game yesterday was played in Dallas, which what the incident that happened wasn't very that that far away. So, um, yeah, it, it's disgusting that people just, like you said, of how easy it is. Somebody could just go to the store and grab a gun and just mow down somebody. Um, but, yeah, heartbreaking. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to go to the White Sox game tonight and just assume that the person next to me isn't carrying a gun that they don't need for any reason. And it's just a scary way to live. That's how we live in the United States of America. It doesn't happen other places. And I don't understand why we are so married to people needing guns in the U.S. You like to go hunting? Fine. There's other ways to deal with where you keep them and where you store them. AR-15s are responsible for so many tragedies across this country in the last 15 years, and I won't stand for it. You got a problem with it? Come at me. I'll have a nice debate with you because I don't understand how you can sit there and hear about all these children and their families. They sent them a kiss goodbye to school, and that was it. And I know a couple of those kids had like a little ceremony that day. I believe it was their last day of school. A couple of the parents got to go there and see their kids on stage do whatever it was they were doing, and then that was the last time they ever are going to get to see their kid. They didn't have them to tuck in last night because some asshole was able to go to the store on his 18th birthday and buy an AR-15. What the hell do you need an AR-15 for? You want to kill people? I, I, like You need your rights that much? You care about your American pride that much? That you're okay with seeing this happen time and time and time again? Something's got to change. I won't stand for it. I agree. He's, he's and, very nice words from you. And yeah, you said it well. Yeah. And, you know, I say thoughts and prayers aren't enough. I don't like saying thoughts and prayers, but I do pray and I think of the families that were affected by this tragedy. Um, there's going to be no way for them to find peace but I hope they're able to use this as a way to bring change and be kind to your neighbor, hug your kids. You just never know, especially living in a country where we could just go to the store and buy guns whenever we want. That's it's just the sad truth of the matter. Um, I hope I had a chance today to bring a smile to some faces today. We enjoy talking our sports. We enjoy talking our nerdy, gushy gooeyness we enjoy talking about um you know the pop culture stuff we like the food we like talking some soda analysis early in the show i appreciate that very much um i appreciate you i appreciate everybody in our lives and none of that matters without our safety and protection and right now it's not the safest place to live sorry people don't like to hear it because Nobody loves being an American more than me. Nobody. I believe in the potential of this country. I put that USA flag on my shirt. You know, I, I have the ho- I'm looking at the hockey jersey right now, land of the free because of the brave. I'm fully down with it. 
love the United States of America. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else because I believe in this place. I believe in its potential. Democrat, Republican, fuck it all. How about human being? How about American? That it shouldn't be red versus white. It should be, or it shouldn't be red versus blue. It should be red, white, and blue. Okay. Think about that when your head hits the pillow tonight. I'm done. Thank you for listening to our show at the King Bean on Twitter. Do you have anything left to say before we head out of here? No, I think you, you covered it all. I, you really you did a good job there. And yeah. Thank you very much. And like I said, make sure you're following at the King Bean on Twitter. Joey Parisi, that complete Muppet that he is. Just kidding. We love him very much. He'll be back eventually. We're working on some logistical stuff with that. But you can follow him at Joey Parisi on Twitter. Make sure you're following at Barroom Network on Twitter. I mean, we're not the only clowns on this network just producing awesome shows each and every day. Dan and Aldo were on until one in the morning last night. I pop in and they're talking about this stuff. And I'm like, I'm feeling good. You know, earlier in their show, they were talking about, you know, some bears, tight ends, all sorts of stuff. The NFL season is, it, it's in sight. I can't wait for college. There's just so much good stuff to be excited about. And I want to be here to see it just as much as everybody else. So make sure you stay safe out there. Make sure you hug your family tight. I'm at Vinny Parisi on Twitter. For everyone at the Barroom Network, we say thank you for listening. What is fun? I Let me spell it for you. F is for friends who do stuff together. U is for you and me. N is for anywhere and anytime at all. Come here in the deep blue sea.